Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. Hey, you know, we've talked about uh, the last little while some upgraded questions that are going to lead us to things that are better paths in our life. And we are not on a journey where God is looking down, though he could, and roll his eyes at us and go, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? That's like your best answer to this? Or where he's looking at us and just waiting for stuff to go wrong and he says, I knew it, and he's just waiting to squash us. That is not who God is. In fact, he is on this journey with us to say, hey, here's some good paths. I'm actually wanting you to live, and here's what I hope that you get out of our time together, that you would begin to live with an expectancy of God wanting to do good things in your life. And uh, that he wants you to have that goodness and be expectant of him. And what we talked about is this, is that all through the Bible, and actually in your life, there are better questions that you can ask that are going to lead you to better paths, where you're going to have a place where you're going to have less regret and a lighter load. And, and I don't know how you felt. When I was in my um, 30s, I would hear people talking about regrets, and i go, huh, yeah, not really right? I'm pretty awesome. Hello. And then you get in your 50s and 40s and you go, "Ah, no, (laughs) I actually have a few regrets. You know why that is? Because you're more thoughtful as you get older. That's what happens. (laughs) Maybe a few other things too. And what happens in our life is God actually wants us to move into that place where we ask better questions so we can be on better paths and you can have that life that he always wanted you to have. Last week we talked about the fact that God, God's plan that actually changed the world and is still changing the world was this. I want you to love like I've loved you. And what it did, is it sounds so ridiculously simple, right? Except God loves, God's love, that Holy Spirit's supernatural love is nowhere else in this world except in you. Because you have the Holy Spirit. How cool is this? You go, really, me? Yeah, you. And this is actually how God changed the world in the first centuries and how he continues to change it is through love. And the better question is, what, is, what does love require? Well, how, how can you live in love? So today I want to talk about the second great question that we can have, an upgraded question, and that is wisdom. What is wisdom and how do we wise in it? And I'm going to take you through a deep dive into wisdom and what that looks like because as you saw in the quote, uh, 80%, 90%, whatever of the decisions that you and I make in our life aren't right or wrong things, not moral decisions, right? That's just obedience. We can talk about that some other time. But there are a whole bunch of decisions that you need to make in your life that require wisdom. Who will I marry? How will I move forward in my life? What's the career? How do I look after my kids? Those, there aren't necessarily a moral right and wrong with that. But we need wisdom. And what we have in our world right now is a lot of knowledge, a lot of facts. We have a lot of information And what we really need is wisdom. And here's the thing that I think we can find in Scripture that's so incredibly important. James 1 verse 5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Did you get that middle part? 
God is actually looking to give you wisdom and he's not looking at your faults. He's not looking at saying, eh, you know, sort of good week this week. I'll give you maybe like, here's some kernels of wisdom, little small ones. God says, I want to give you wisdom and I want to give you good wisdom and see what that looks like. Kind of reminds me of this story. It's an old classic of this guy who breaks into a house. He's a thief and he's not a very good thief. And he's got in and he thought, ha, made it. So he walks in, he's kind of stumbling around in the dark. And all of a sudden he hears this, Jesus is watching. He thought, oh no. And he moves over a little bit, bang, he says, Jesus is watching. And he flicks on his flashlight and he looks and here it's a parrot. Ha, Jesus is watching. And he goes, oh, that's good. But all of a sudden he hears this growl that sort of sounds different than the parrot. And he looks down and hears this pit bull right underneath the parrot. And the parrot goes, sick him, Jesus. (laughs) See, here's the thing. We think Jesus is watching. And we begin to think that that's the way he operates in this world. But there is nothing farther from the truth for his children. He has good paths for you, and he has wisdom that he wants you to walk into. And we have so much information, but most of it is not helpful. I have, I'm conflicted with the women in my, in my life. Not the one I married. That, that, that one's awesome. We, 30 some years, and we've sort of worked it out. But I have Alexa and Siri. (laughs) And, you know, so I said, hey Siri, what is the meaning of life? And she says, by all evidence, it is chocolate. Some of you are going, I knew you would like that. I knew you would sit in the front row and you would like that. I feel conflicted. Somehow that, somehow that seems right. And, and another time I was saying, hey, you know, hey Alexa, what are the movies today? And Siri goes, who's this Alexa? <laughs> no, that didn't happen. <laughs> there is so much, at the, we've never ever had this in our world before where we have all this knowledge, all this information, Literally, at the speaking of our tongue, we can get all of this stuff, but almost none of it can necessarily help with the wisdom that you need to navigate those 80% of the decisions that you have. You don't need more knowledge. You don't need more information apart from what you really need is wisdom. And that's what we're going to take a look at, and we're going to start in the scripture, which is, of course, the right place to start. And he said in James... And James is that guy who you know that um, doesn't have a subtle bone in his body. James is Jesus' brother, a half-brother, and he's just one of those, like, shoot from the hip, he loves you, but, wow, you're going to hear the straight goods when you read James. So this is what he says. And here's the question. Who is wise and has understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his work is done. Would you say these words, last words for me, in the meekness of wisdom. You didn't do that very well. Let's try it again. In the meekness of wisdom. This is, I'm going to just take a moment and camp here. You know what we have a lot of? We have a lot of loudness in our world. We have a lot of vitriol. We have a lot of opinions. But what we have very little of is the meekness of wisdom. And we're going to read more of what that means. But a lot of what it means is this, is that I need to have humility if I'm going to receive wisdom. 
I need to have the ability to hear from other people and to also to look at myself and think, you know what, maybe I actually don't know everything. Maybe I'm not that awesome. Because the meekness of wisdom is what speaks into our life. And I think for the most part you would know this, is if there have been people or thoughts or words that have been spoken into your life that have been true, almost all of them have come with that spirit. Somebody yelling at you actually is probably not going to make any difference. But when God comes and he speaks his word to you and it's wisdom, it changes everything because it's the meekness of wisdom that penetrates through all of the fog that we're in right now. And we're going to take a look and say, James, what is it that that looks like? And James applies it to relationships and to people. And this is what he says. But, you know, straight out, James, tell us what you think. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast or lie about the truth. The wisdom, this wisdom does not descend from above, but this is earthly, sensual, and demonic. All right, James, <laughs> what do you really think, right? He says, there is a worldly wisdom. And, and he goes, I got to say it, guys. It actually is, is right from hell. This is the way people think and the way they act. And he says, but the wisdom that's from above, and here's what the nature of wisdom is going to look like when you encounter it. It's going to be, you're going to be able to sense it and know it. He says, the wisdom that comes above is first pure. There's no motive behind it. It's peaceable, it's gentle, it's willing to yield. It's full of mercy and good fruits, and it comes without partiality. It's not us and them. And it comes without hypocrisy. What's said and what's done is the same. And I think when you read that scripture, I think when you hear that truth, there is something about that that resonates with you because you are God's child. And you understand that's really what wisdom is. That's really what's going to change my life. A lot of opinions, a lot of thoughts, but that's what wisdom is really going to be like. There is something that happens when we do this. So we're going to take the next few minutes together and say, how do we get that wisdom? What does that wisdom look like in your life, in my life? And I, I, think I want to start with this. And this is something that I, I've thought of for a long time. Somebody articulated this for me in a way I thought was kind of cool. Is that we often think of our maturing and our moving forward, the paths that we have, as sort of linear we think of it as, you know, I, I, you know, I was young, I kind of didn't make some great decisions. If you're a guy, then your you know, kind of brain attached itself when you got into your early 20s and the whole risk thing kicked in and you kind of decided, yep, I'm going to move forward. You mature a little bit, you get married and then boom, there's hopefully a real big maturity bump that happens. Some of you, maybe some of you wives are thinking, hopefully God make it so, right? And, and so you sort of move into this whole thing and that's linear. But actually what happens is if we think of our maturing that way, we can get really discouraged and we can be open to the lies of the enemy because the reality is we don't actually mature like that in every area of our life, do we? There are some areas of your life where you are absolutely fantastic and you're maturing and you're great. There are other areas, eh, a little rough, right? Here's what you really are. And here's, a, I think, a great picture of what it is, is, is we have to think of it as your maturing process is God sees intrinsic value of you, you're a diamond, and he is 
toughing, he is sort of polishing off the rough edges in some of you. And some of the areas, he's, he's sort of shining off. And, and some of you are like great in finances and you can make really wise decisions. Others of you relationally, Lord, have mercy on you. You need help. And God's going to help you with that. And he's going to bring people around you. And I think that picture, hopefully you can carry that with you, is one that's going to really help you to make wise decisions and not kind of be distracted by the enemy. Okay, so here are the three things, uh, folks, that we're going to do. Uh, if you want to be wise, if you want to get wisdom, you need three areas to look at. First of all, you've got to press pause. Then you're going to proceed with your posse. And third, you're going to pursue what is primary. Those three things are kind of how you're going to be able to get wisdom and what it really means to have that in your life. First one is this, press pause. And you're going to, I want you to think about this. In your life, and, it, and there's an undertow of the world in this, where you, in, your, in our culture and in our world, there's a pressure to have to. You need to make this decision. And, and people in advertising, they'll want to force you to try to make this decision. And there is a hurry, 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 hurry. And you know what? Almost never does God say, hurry up. Make this decision. Right? One of the wisest things that you can do when you are in the middle of having to make a decision is to press pause. Stop, take a breath, and say, Holy Spirit, people, God, that you've given around me, what is it that you want me to do? What's the wise way to do it? This is what um, Ephesians says, and this is the message which is a paraphrase of that. It says, don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham that they are. I want to kind of look at that exposing part. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one will see it. Rip the covers off those things and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. See, what really what we need to do is take a moment to press pause to say, there's an undercurrent of the world going on. I want to make a wise decision. Remember, we're not talking about right and wrong. We're talking about, you know, how do I make good decision in my life? And the way I can do that is to just stop, press pause, and say, okay, I need to take a look at this. God, what is it that you want to do? And I, I think you can look at it in a few ways. One of them is this, is you need to invite the Holy Spirit to say, I want to look back in my life and see where I've been because that's going to show a trajectory of where I'm going. There's um, a lady that I know really well who ended, who ended up uh, being in a really difficult situation in her first marriage. It was, he was an alcoholic, abuse, all sorts of terrible stuff, cheating. And she ends up saying the marriage ends up breaking down. She comes into her next relationship and she says to me, you know what? I know one thing for sure. I don't want an alcoholic. Guess what the guy was who she got involved with? An alcoholic. And that falls away and stops. And then she gives to me again, she says, I have put up a thing on my fridge. I will not marry an alcoholic. I thought, okay, good. Sounds great. And so she comes back and says, oh, you'd never believe it, Aubrey. I met this guy. We went on a three-day date. It was so fantastic. I thought, how do you date for three days? Do I want to know this? Right? And she says, no, 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 this is all good. Like we sat and we talked through the whole night for three days and it was so fantastic and everything. And she got so mesmerized by this whole thing. And she realized that she never paused and she married the guy and guess what he was? 
He was an alcoholic. And not a, I'm working through it alcoholic. It's, I'm hiding it from everybody. And as soon as, as soon as the paper was signed, it was like full on make it happen. Here's what she didn't do. And here's what we don't do. When we don't pause, what we realize is there's the bud saw of our past is going to kind of come ripping through everything that we're doing if we don't look at where we've been. If I have a problem with food, I need to take the care of that problem. If I have a problem with, over, with working too hard and not taking time away and really focusing on that and ignoring my family, that buzzsaw is happening and it's going to run right through my life. What is the wisest thing to do based on looking back? Press pause, stop, and it's hard to pause, isn't it? Because we get caught in the middle of stuff. Look back and say, God, what is it that's happened? And you may actually need to have some people around you to help you do this. I think you probably will. The, the second thing is, in addition to looking back, you need to look around. Because in the circumstances that you have around you, as you look around, you're going to be able to see that there are some things happening that, that need to be uh, just paused and stopped over. There's an, another guy in, in my life who is, uh, I've, I've long since sort of lost track with, but he, uh, he came to me and he said, you know, Aubrey, I, I've just kind of decided that I'm not going to get, I'm, I'm not going to go through with my marriage. I'm done. And, uh, you know, I'm probably going to get divorced really soon. But here's the good news. Are you ready for this? God has brought a woman into my life who is going to solve all of my problems. Okay, I have a question for you. Is there any woman in this world who is going to solve or should solve all of your problems? Guys, if your answer is yes, can I tell you this? You're an idiot. Is that too blunt? It's true. Yes, I dream of genie. That would be, <laughs> this is not real. And, he's, and I, I, just, I remember seeing this guy, and he's a smart guy. He's probably smarter than most of you in this room. So it's really not about IQ. You know what it's about? It's about the fog of emotions. You and I are subject to all that. We get in the middle of our life and our emotions take over us and we do not see the thing for what it really is. And it's why we need to press pause and say, God, with the people around me, with your Holy Spirit inside of me, what is the wise thing to do given my certain circumstances? And I remember talking to him and I remember thinking, okay, here's what I'd like from you. And I was wanting a bigger number, but I chose this number. I said, would you do this for me? Would you give me six months before you start going after another woman? You're actually still married. One thing. Logic wasn't going to work. But I said, you know what you really need? Right now, your emotions are totally carrying you away. And you actually don't know that you're going to feel completely different six months, a year from now, when you feel right now you're hurt, and I get it. And anybody who's been through divorce will say divorce is horrible, and it's awful, and it hurts, and it tears apart. You can't possibly be in the place where you could do something over here. You know why he didn't get that? Because he had the fog of emotion over his life. And you and I are subject to that fog. And so we have to press pause and say, God, by your spirit, by your church family, what is the wise thing to do in this situation? I look back, I look at the present, and then I look forward. I've pressed pause and I look forward and I say, God, in light of my hopes and my dreams, what's the wise thing to do? See, there are a bunch of dream wreckers things that are going to stop where God is going to lead you. Too much debt, too much alcohol, not enough slowing around, skipping too many classes. Yeah. I feel a bit self-condemned because I skipped a lot of classes when I was in college. <laughs> um, 
What's the story you want to tell? I think when you're looking forward, this is a really great question. What's the story you want to tell about your life to your kids, to your grandkids? How do I want to remember this story years from now? And, and it's, it's, it takes a bit of time for us to think through this. But I, I remember even this last, I think two weeks ago, we had a funeral in this church of somebody who was exactly my age who passed away. Knew him really well. He was one of the most encouraging guys that I've ever met in my life. And as he was, every, as every speaker came up and they talked about him and they talked about him, they just kept saying, oh yeah, he said this and he did that and everything like that. And then his son got up and I just about lost it. He said, you know what? He says, my, my dad would encourage, and, and he says, it was amazing what he did, but he was super intentional about it. At seven in the morning, he had in his, in his daytime, or I, I imagine on his computer, he had encouraged Talbot. And he would continually write notes and, and emails saying, hey man, you're awesome, this is great. And as I, as I read that, I went, oh. And just had to press pause and say, what story do I want to have for my life? Generally, those of you who know me would say I'm a pretty encouraging guy. It's one of, it's one of the spiritual gifts that I have. And I try to use it really well with you and do all those things with you. But you know what I want more than anything else? is I want those people closest to me, my wife and my sons, at the end of my life to say, this is what my dad did for me. He didn't correct me all the time. Eh. But he looked and he saw the good in me and he called it out and he encouraged me. And as I was listening to them talking about our friend, I thought, that's what I want the end of my story to be. Hey, dads, what do you want the end of your story to be? Don't you want that to be the story that your kids say about you? And I know there's more to it than that, and you have different gifts and stuff, but what do you want your story to be at the end? It's a great question to ask when you press pause and say, there is so much happening. You know, and, and, and we can see it in the Old Testament where you see all these stories playing out of people. And, and Joseph is one of the classic stories that I think most of you would know. Joseph is the most obnoxious younger brother, totally favored by his dad, unabashedly. And uh, it's so bad that his older brothers decide to kill him. Now, some of you have thought about killing your younger brother. But mostly not so much, right? Mostly you just said, oh, yeah, I'll just, soon I'm going to leave home and we can just not worry about him. But they decide they're going to kill him. And they do is they, the older brother says, hey, wait a minute, let's just throw him in a pet. And he kind of was thinking this through a little bit. And he said, okay, I'm just going to go rescue him after. But as it turns out, he got sold and he was gone. Now, pressing pause would mean this. If those brothers would have thought of this, they would, they would have thought, okay, if I'm going to tell this story, that means, and I want, to imag- I want you to imagine them going before their father, who they loved, and they're going to go to their dad, and they're going to say, dad, think about this moment as you're annoyed with your brother. Your son is dead. And that your dad is going to be grieving this for years. In fact, there's always going to be a hole in your dad's heart. It doesn't actually matter whether he favored him or not. That's what it's like to think about this story. And that means that you have to carry that lie. You have to carry that guilt, that shame, that, that 
all of that that I killed my brother. The rest of your life you carry that. You see, none of those brothers, maybe a little bit on Ruman, none of those brothers were thinking about the story, were they? All they were doing was thinking about the fog of now and the emotion of their circumstances. God has given you and I the ability to press pause and to say, what's the end of this story going to look like? And it's a powerful tool in saying, what is wise? Make it happen. The second thing is this. You need to proceed with your posse. Job 8, verse 8 to 9 says this. Ask the former generation, find out what their ancestors learned, for we were born only yesterday, and we know nothing. This is, remember that whole humility thing that I talked to you about, that wisdom was meek? He says, you were born only yesterday, and we know nothing, and our days are but a shadow. If we want to foolproof our life, we need, so we need to be teachable, and we need to be humble. And I want you to think of it in this way. And I'm kind of running through a lot of stuff, folks, because I want to give you sort of the big picture on how to make wise decisions. If you, you, you have to press pause, but you also have to have a posse around you. You have to have some people. Take a look up on the screen. And, and this is one of the ways of thinking about it that's kind of helpful for you. That if you want to foolproof your life, you need mentors, models, and friends. And then define appointments or God just gives you people who are amazing. Mentors and models are like this. Your mentors are people who are like coaches or teachers who are live people in your life who you can get wisdom from. And I've probably had 10 mentors in my life who are real, genuinely wise people. Uh, some of them were great fathers and eh, not so fantastic at work. So I talked to them about being a good father. Others had, were really great at being husbands. And so I would talk to them about being husbands and kind of draw that Mentors are people you can draw, who are living examples, who you can draw from and take a particular area of their life and say, you know what, I can learn from that. And, they, and that's a really important thing because you, you have those people. Now, what you don't want to do is you actually don't want to make them models for your life. Do you know why? Because you never know where their life's going to end up. I loved Ravi Zacharias. I thought he was amazing. Some of you know the story. Horrible. He totally crashed and burned. And they're saying, he, he, there are some still great things that he said that I love to do. Great mentor, bad model. I'm not going to model my life after that. <laughs> Those are the live people that you have in your life. There are some people, and this is what I want you to think about. Maybe you never thought of it. The, the models that you need to have in your life are dead people. You know Why? Because they've lived their whole life, and by the time their life is done, you can look at it and you can say, you know what, I want to be like that. I want to be like that person who walked all their way through. I look at Billy Graham's life, and it wasn't perfect. You think, wow, that guy did amazing. Our son's name is Michael Graham Cron. Because we thought, huh, I need a reminder of that. I like that guy. I see William Wilberforce and all the other people like that in your life. Who are the people that you have that you can learn from that next generation. I think one of the things that's lost is reading biographies and of people, of, of the old saints who have come before. Have you ever heard of Catherine Kuhlman? Look her up sometime. If you're, we're in the charismatic stream, she's this amazing, amazing lady who did just incredible stuff. And, and she's one of the mentors, or so one of the models in my life. You say, wow, I want, I want some of that. 
Now here's why I'm talking about the living and dead part that's, that's so important. There's a stream, and I won't kind of name it because that's not the most important thing, an evangelical church that has decided that it's okay, and, and most of them come from, I think this is the root of it, is they come from homes where they had either absent fathers or not great fathers, and all of their mentors are actually dead people. And they are the most angry, negative group of people that I know. Literally, I remember going, I was off on holidays, I remember sitting in the hot tub with this guy, and he started talking, he was a Christian, and he, it, it took five minutes in the hot tub with him, and I thought, oh, I know what stream you come from. <laughs> it's like, I, thought, I had to go have a shower after I was finished, because it was so negative. And it's because they're, and, and I hope, you get what I'm saying here, it's their mentors were actually dead people. They had nobody to come alongside them. They had no father to come alongside them to lay his hand on them and to say, you know what, son? You're doing really well. Aaron, John, come up here. See, what happens if we don't have... You stand right there. There, there is an incredible power in, in you doing this and just laying your hand on somebody and looking them in the eye and saying, you know what, Aaron, what I really like about you is you have this amazing soft heart before God. You, you find people who almost nobody else sees and you have God's love for them. And I love watching you go around and do life. It's so encouraging to me. Hey, thanks for doing that, man. Thank you. Boom. <laughs> you know what? It is almost impossible for him to walk away angry right? What you and I need, what you and I need to give is the hand on the shoulder and say, that's what we need in our life. We need mentors. We need models who are going to speak that in our lives. Yeah, sometime they're going to come and they're going to give you that, right? Because you need it. But mostly what they're going to do is they're going to call God out in you. And that's going to be wisdom and the wisdom that's going to change your life. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Last thing is you have friends and you have divine appointments. There are people in my life who have kind of come and done amazing things. I remember I was on a 20-year search. Some of you know the story. I'm a bit of a slow learner, apparently, in, in finding the Holy Spirit in a way like the full baptism of spirit speaking in tongues. And there's a pig farmer from Innisfail, Alberta, where my wife grew up, laid his hands on me, and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he thought it was super hilarious that the pig farmer was giving the pastor the Holy Spirit. I actually couldn't have cared less. I just wanted it. And there's a way in which we can have those things. There's a, there's a, a great story. I told some of the leaders this. Of um, a guy named Graham Cook who's prophetic. And um, because we had Pastor Keith in this church, we, we kind of take... Um, we take for granted that all prophetic stuff is really solid and good and not flaky. Um, outside of this church, that's actually not true. Lots of flaky stuff in the prophetic. Lots of good, right? But lots of like super flaky stuff that, you know, in, and so you got to be su- really careful. And, and uh, Graham Cook's one of these guys who's got lots of good stuff going on, uh, but you have to be a little bit discerning. And he said he, his, his thing was this. He had one of his mentors said to him, he says, Graham, you're young. You got this great ministry ahead of you. It's really good. But there's some stuff in you that has to die. 
And God does that sometimes, right? There's stuff in us that are not fantastic that has to die. And he says, so Graham, here's what I need you to do. Just let it die. So he's, oh, that's great. He sends him, he's going through this whole thing and he's got all these thoughts. And so he writes a four-page letter. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, four pages. You know how long that would be in an email? That would be scrolling forever and ever and ever. And his, this is during the time when there wasn't uh, emails, but he sent a postcard back to him and it had two letters on it. And he knew what this meant. He said, Graham, DQ. He wasn't telling him to go get a dilly bar. <laughs> Graham, die quietly. Nobody wants to hear all that stuff. Would you just be quiet and let God work in you? And you know what? That's what people do in your life. They speak the words of wisdom. And and that sounds a bit harsh to you, but it was exactly the word that he needed to absolutely change his life. The third thing is this, folks. If you want to foolproof your life, if you want to have that real wisdom, we need to pursue what is primary. The fear of the Lord teaches wisdom and humility precedes honor. Is he your junior partner or your senior partner? I love what Charles Stanley says. This is his life philosophy. He says, obey God and leave the consequences up to him. If God tells you to run through a brick wall, start running and trust that he's going to make a hole. In your life, if we are going to have wisdom, the Bible says that if real true wisdom comes from the fact that we really fear God and we understand him. And I think when we're challenged most in this, folks, is when we have pain in our life and when we don't get it. You may know who Elizabeth Elliot is. She's one of those great ladies who can be a model in your life. She said, I went to a farm one time and uh, there was lots of uh, insects and mosquitoes that were killing the sheep. And so what the, she- the shepherd would do is he would take a big vat of antiseptic and he would dunk the sheep into this big vat and he'd hold them down. We had a baptism yesterday. It was kind of like that. Right? You just hold them down and so the antiseptic would work its way through and then he'd take the sheep up. And the sheep hated it and they're going on everything like that. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her in that moment and said... That's the fear of the Lord. She went, what? She says, you know, the shepherd, what the shepherd could have done is went to the sheep and said, okay, sheep, here's what's going to happen. Because you have all these diseases and all these insects and everything, I'm going to take you, I'm going to dunk you into this vat of antiseptic, and it's going to clean them all off. What difference would that have made to the sheep? Zero. Because sheep don't understand You're smart, you're getting this. Who are you and I? Say it. Sheep. Yeah. And so God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to have a scary, terrifying trust of me. That when you don't understand, that when it feels like I'm the one that's holding you under, that you say, you are God and I am not, so I am going to hear you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to respect you. I'm going to love you. Because even if I knew the answer, I couldn't understand it anyways. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. You are God and I am not. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand? Marissa, do you want to come up? I want to give you an opportunity to uh, respond back to this. And the question that I want to have you think about, 
and we're, we don't go anywhere. We're still in, in, in uh, sermon mode, okay? God, what, it is, what is it that you want to do? What's the wise thing for me to do in my life right now? And it's not about right and wrong, but God wants to talk to you. He said, if you lack wisdom, ask. So we're going to ask this morning. And it might come today, it might come on the drive, it might come one other time, but we're going to take a moment and we're going to ask. So right now, in the quietness of where you are, and for some of you, this is going to be like you're good at this really quickly. Others of you, it might take some time. God, what do you want me to do? Press pause. Just be with him. there's someone who you have this thought that God's saying proceed slowly and you have a picture of of things sort of falling around you and and you walking down the middle of the road and that's actually from God he gave it to me so you would know I I see another picture of of somebody who uh, this is that that scary faith is is you actually see yourself falling and and you think God where are you And the fact is, he's got you all the way down. He's got you. He wants you to trust him. Lord, I thank you that in whatever situation we have, that we can ask for wisdom, and you're going to give it to us. I thank you, Father, for all of what we have in your word, we have in your people, we have in your spirit that can allow us to be wise and not get caught up in the undertow of a world. I thank you for heavenly wisdom that is pure and has the meekness of wisdom attached to it. It's so good to not have to get caught up in the world stuff. Would you just remain in an attitude of worship and just kind of focus on God however you do that? With everybody looking down, if there's somebody here today who has never accepted Jesus or given him leadership in your life, or maybe you have and you've slipped away, with nobody looking around, would you just raise your hand up? And I'll acknowledge that you can put it down and say, yeah, I need to do this. If you're online, there's going to be a hand popping up. You just press on that. Anybody here today? Yeah, thank you in the back. Anybody else? That's great. Okay, we're going to pray a prayer and we're going to pray a prayer that is really of commitment but a, uh, an ask for wisdom. And so I'd like everyone to pray with me. If you're online, pray this together as well, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. I thank you that I can trust him. That even when I don't understand, you are the great wise king and you will give me wisdom. I thank you, Lord, for the meekness of wisdom 
I choose to embrace it. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you give the Lord a hand? Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To find resources to grow in your relationship with Christ, go to churchoftherock.ca slash next. You can also join us at one of our campuses, including our interactive online campus at churchoftherock.live. For locations, service times, or to support the ministry of Church of the Rock, please go to churchoftherock.ca or download the Church of the Rock app. 